0: Coming up. Welcome to the Bat Flip Crazy Podcast with your host, Toby G. Hello and welcome to episode 234 of the Batflip Crazy podcast where you'll always find enthusiastic data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host Toby and welcome to the initial podcast of the 2023 fantasy baseball season. Uh, This is edition number 138 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I will be starting our Uh, round of positional uh, previews. Uh, These will be our first previews and then we'll hit you up closer to the season with our preview reviews. Um, So exciting to get back into the swing of things. I hope everybody's had a nice uh, off season, um, gotten some rest and relaxation, um, some nice holidays, both in the past and coming up. Um, But Let's just uh, let's get let's get this uh, party started uh, with uh, the first episode of uh, the 2023 fantasy baseball season. Thanks so much.
1: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Batflip. We are back, everybody, after a little break for the winter or fall, winter time, uh, holiday season to uh, recharge the batteries for one of the best fantasy players in the game. Got to get him going. He's not the robot, but he's really good friends with the robot. So they probably say, say similar <laughs> DNA in that regard. But uh, we'll get to him in a second. I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick. And my host is always the Batflip portion of the show on Twitter at batflipcrazy. Crazy. Toby, how are we doing, my friend?
0: Uh, we're doing really well, Bubba. it's it's uh, it's good to be back here on the show with you. I took a little bit of a breather trying to de-baseball, find myself, you know, um, for a little bit, kind of get step back, get a little bit of perspective, but I'm ready to hop back in. I had um uh, Baskin Robbins ice cream cake uh, oh, today. I had two large slices. I had Baskin Robbins ice cream cake yesterday as well. The clown cone, Baskin Robbins ice cream oh, cake. Do you man. know what I'm saying? Like, oh with yeah, the old school six, I- six clown cones on top of it, and it, there's no cake actually in the. Was cake. it it's even someone's birthday,
1: or just because you like your sweet? No, this was just for fun. Yeah, that's was what I'm saying. for yeah. fun. I felt like a snack.
0: <laughs> no, uh, it was it was a double birthday for my boys. Oh, okay, perfect. Uh, their birthdays Great. are close enough where we do like the family birthday, where where the local relatives come in all at the same time. Cool. Uh, November 30th and December 19th. So um, it was it was a lot of fun, but. The ice cream cake is is absolutely delicious. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's well, it's it's kind of like being on the podcast with you. You know, oh, it's, oh, oh. it's the best. I'm so touched.
1: Um, yeah. it, it's great to hear though. While you recharge from baseball, the sweet tooth did not leave. That makes me feel better. Didn't yeah. think it would, but it's great to hear that it's still going in full force. And that's the beauty of our all of our podcasts, but especially the preseason when we're we're previewing and then as people know our schedule by now. When we finish the positions, we'll do another quick preview as all the stuff changes to get you ready. So this is kind of just like a first look theory of what the position looks like and when we get back to catchers in let's say two months give or take it'll look a lot different so just like this is just gotta get your feet wet but the fun thing about a lot of our shows i think a lot of people like it i know a lot of you like it is the tangents we go on with the sweets, with the whatevers and it turns into a lot of fun the kids all the good stuff so it's good to hear that part has not changed uh, and we're gonna have some fun with that of course as always um yeah so it's gonna be good yeah
0: yeah, I ran the steamer projection. I I don't have my G, SGP spreadsheet yet. I ran the steamer projections, and and Basqueros Ice Cream Cake, ice cream cake, is right up there at the top of the catcher ranking. So I'm excited. S'mores or ice cream cake? Oh, ice cream cake, easy. It's really? like Really? I would have lost a bet. In that I little. mean, I would have a little bit of a reputation for s'mores, but yeah, I mean, s'mores on on the grand scheme of things, they're a fascinating dessert. You know, layered. Well, you is can there... take them on
1: the fly too. Right. Like an ice cream cake, you have to keep it cold. There's so many steps to it.
0: You you need a nice freezer for the yeah. ice cream cake, unless you eat it all at one time, which
1: which I have a feeling you might be able to do. Just get throw it out there; it's possible. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll go back to some more sweets talk as always, but uh, let's talk catchers, which to Kobe is a sweet spot. So let's have some fun with this. As Everybody knows we're going to spend two hours on the first catcher, and then we'll kind of breeze through the rest because that's the only one that matters on this show, and for good reason. Like Ever since I've known Toby, this has been his guy, and uh, it's kind of not been wrong. But as a good host says, before we get to that point, what's your rush strategy, I guess, or I guess we could do strategy, talk more towards the next podcast on catchers. What maybe did you learn from 2022? Because it was a much different season to me, when it came to catchers, where you still had your elite guys. There's no doubt about it, but there's so many more. You could almost – not as much in 15s per se, but in 12s for sure. You could stream. There was always – William Contreras was a free agent. Cal Raleigh was a free agent. Jonah Heim. I guess go down the list. There's so many of them throughout the season. Christian Betancourt, and they all produced. Danny Jansen at times. Like, there was guys throughout the season that produced. So what did you learn from 2022 that you might use as a potential strategy as you keep digging in this offseason?
0: Well, I think, like, one thing just, like – even stepping back from the catcher position a little bit is, you know, just thinking about the run environment and what happened with the ball. Um, obviously trying to think about and, but not overanalyzing without like appropriate data, what some of the rule changes are going to mean, you know, potentially for, for guys with um, the elimination of the shift, you know, things like that. So we need to factor that in, you know, one of the things I think that we saw in 2022 is the increase in value of the home run and like relatively speaking, like the decrease um, the decrease in stolen bases. And then also similarly, like looking at batting average and and that being something too. So I think more broadly, you know, it's nothing like too dramatic, but just being cognizant of how the run environment shifts, shifts the, you know, shifts where the value is or where it shifts where, um, what players are worth. And so I think that that's like kind of just one more broad thing. And I think thinking about that, you know as well one of the things that i've always been a proponent of i've always been big on getting catchers early even two catchers early if we need to you know i think when you look at jtr um you look at varsho uh you know they really stand out so much um because of the steals you know and so mm-hmm. i love having a guy like that because it's not just that they have steals like getting getting 21, you know, steals from your catcher or getting 15 steals from your catcher is such a big difference than getting the same number of steals from other positions, just because you can find speed, particularly with some of the base running changes, maybe, um, even too, although, you know, it's all, it's all relative. Um, but you can, um, you know, you, when you have speed from your catcher, like, there's only so many positions, right? Where you actually have that speed located, where you have a lot of it to choose from. So when you can have that speed coming from the catcher position, I really think that that's just relatively speaking a huge value add. So I love the idea of having you know, one of those two players. I don't think it's the only place within catchers where you can get a little bit of speed, obviously, but it's the, it's the primary one where you can you know. do that. And then I think the other thing is just thinking about plate appearances as well. Um, you know, Will Smith, for instance, was a guy that I wasn't that interested in last year because when I looked at kind of how the Dodgers had divvied up the, um, divvied up the DH spots, like I didn't think that he was going to get the plate appearances that he needed to hit those higher numbers, but you know, like he ended up having, um, one of the highest number of plate appearances last year for a catcher as well. And so I think just considering those things, Sal Perez, you know, obviously playing all the time. You know, we see him drop down a few rounds from last year because of the injury. Has the skills changed that much, um, especially in an environment where you see power um, being more being more important, you know, And also thinking about the managerial change. Like does that change how they use him? Sure. So I think there's a lot of those types of elements that that are really important. But nothing has changed for me. I think one of the things in thinking about you know you and Ryan's podcast is um, you know, on one of the Bloom boards or that he shared, you know around catcher. And I've talked about this before, but um, uh, Jeff Zimmerman has done some research showing that the projection for plate appearances for catchers is more reliable than other positions. You know, And when we know that a lot of value is tied to plate appearances, I think that's incredibly valuable. I think Ariel Cohen has done some research as well, pointing out the fact that you want to get one of those early catchers or you want to wait a little bit, staying out of that middle tier is really important. So I think all of those things kind of, for me, uh, have an impact in thinking about getting one of those top catchers, ideally one with speed, but you're going to need to pay a pretty penny for that. Um, And then if you don't kind of hit there, I would probably stay out of the, stay out of the masses where there are like some question marks about how good a player is, um, you know, and, and, and kind of maybe shoot towards the back end of things. So nothing really dramatic is changing. Oh, but the bloom board was so cool because what it showed was like a very tight correlation between adp and where the catchers actually ended up so obviously every year there's going to be those guys that come off the wire that outperform question is can they outperform again and question is are you the one who's picking them up at that moment in time of your draft and so you know that for me gave me a little bit more confidence even than i had before about the too early catcher strategy so whether or not i'll employ that or not i'm not exactly sure but i think that um relatively speaking you know there's there's a good, there's a really good justification for kind of taking that approach. So, that's a yeah. long winded way of saying, you know, two early catchers I'm great with, one early catcher, I'm probably going to have one of those good ones yeah.
1: though. 100%. That's what it like the bloom board you talked about. Uh, I just finished writing up 56 catchers for the fantasy black book. Uh, not all in depth, trust me, because that'd have been a miserable project, but I went through 56 and it was an eye opener because I had to put down games played at each position. And then there's so many catchers getting. 10, 20 plus games at DH now. Um, so it's like, and we all kind of hinted at it last year, but I think to the impact, it was even more noticeable. You mentioned the plate appearances and um, it, it brought to life certain guys. Like um, I know fan graphs, like v- Varsho is not on the catcher's page and stuff, but I just did plate appearances for last year. And if you count Varsho as well, only six catchers had over 500 plate appearances, even with all the DH games. So it's still pretty nice, but it's still a separating factor where the top end guys do their thing um JTR is is the guy uh as usual but one thing that stood out a lot and we'll, we'll kind of talk about him more later like Sean Murphy led all of baseball uh yeah, 612 pay appearances, 148 games played that stood out to me like a sore thumb when I was looking at that because even if he's not elite like those other guys it's accumulating and he's, he's just doing it and doing it so that's why like, when I saw the rumor of him getting traded to Atlanta I got nervous for a second but at the same time I'll get into why I'm not when we start talking about race catchers later depending on the trade But, like, that stood out a bunch for uh, Murphy, and it's also an idea. If Murphy gets traded, well, maybe a trader, a catcher comes back to Oakland or it opens up, like, Langoliers or another guy to get a bunch of bats later in drafts, something to keep an eye on. Uh, You mentioned the steals thing, and that's where the bloom board really came in because Ben Tidd uh, mentioned it to us, I think, during the show or after the show or something, that Dalton Varsha showed how valuable he was. He was, like, the second catcher on the player Raider – but he was still a top 20 outfielder on the player raider. And everybody talks about I'm only drafting him for catcher. And I guess it makes sense, but that's how good he is offensively. And people are like kind of play it off. So that that's the value of those steals. Cause as you said is and I've learned a lot from you in the past. That's why I always try to get at least one early, like you talk about, if not two, but one for sure, is that elite catcher, especially if they can run. Now, if you're looking for like a power bat later, you can go and draft a Schwarber later. Because you don't have to get all the steals, and he gave you ten steals, which was great. But like you can get kind of a dead steals guy potentially later in the draft, and it doesn't kill you because your catcher is helping you a little bit. Are you can get a five steal guy here and a five steal guy here, and your catcher elevates you to where you need to be? So it really doesn't. It, it, it helps a ton in that regard. So we'll definitely hit on that more as we uh, go forward in the reviews for this. But the catcher's position, very top heavy, and for a good reason, is the moral of the story. Like they. As long as there's no injury, and you can't predict injury, that's just the way it is. They came through in a big, big way, so that was a very, very cool thing to see. So let's get into Got, it.
0: Gotta love those catchers, baby. They're
1: the, the the they're the heart and soul of that team. Um, and let's start with Toby's heart and soul of all of his fantasy teams, yeah, sure. at least like eighty percent of them, probably. So the one number one
0: last year for sure.
1: <laughs> the number one catcher off the board with an ADP of around thirty six currently in DCs on the thirty one that are done so far. JT Realmuto. As you would expect, the dude is amazing. And he was banged up a little bit last year. We're still playing 139 games, which is outstanding. 22 homers, 21 stolen bases. So a 2020 catcher hitting 276. So just a year removed from ever been like, oh, 17 homers, 13 steals, 263. You know, he's he's only played 134 games. Well, he played 139 this last year. And um, honestly, Toby, I don't know about you. I know you like him a lot. And I don't see it changing a whole lot. The dude's still one of the fastest players in baseball barring a, a weird injury. Cause they DH him enough to keep him fresh. That's the beauty of it. And it's a good thing. So I, I think it's pretty simple with JTR, but I'm gonna let you wax poetically about your guy.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it was beautiful. I mean, there's not a lot of different words to describe uh, the season last year for, for JTR. Um, and like you mentioned, I mean, not a lot has changed. I would actually argue from a playing time perspective, he's in a better situation this year. You know, we know that Bryce Harper is going to be out for a while, who has taken up all of the DH, works, you know, yeah. um, all the DH opportunities towards the back end of last season. Um, and when he was struggling earlier in the year with, with his arm. And so um, at least for the first two months of the season, you know, I think you're going to see JTR pretty much playing um every single day which I think will be really good and I would be surprised if they didn't give him a little bit more run than usual at DH as well given you know how far the Phillies went in in the postseason this year the a- additional kind of stress and um everything that was kind of put on those teams that go deeper in I would be surprised if they didn't utilize the DH for him a little bit more especially with the si- signing of you know, Trey Trey Turner, I don't think they're going to do any major things, you know? So when I look at JTR, you know, like the skills have remained relatively similar, you know, um, the plate discipline, the contact rate has actually gone up, even though the O swing. So he's chasing pitches outside the zone a little bit more, but he was at his highest rate this year. So I think it's just one of those questions of, you know, is he, is he getting worse when it comes to plate discipline or do we see kind of Um, him regress. The last time he was up close to 35%, the following year he had a 28.1% O-swing. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, whether those are actual like changes in his plate skills or whether it's about the same. You know, the speed, he's not going to steal 20 bases again, probably, but, you know, that 10 to 15 range will be very solid with everything else that he provides you. He actually had an increase in his barrel rate. He had 44 last year. So if anything, you know, maybe he got a little bit um, unlucky. Uh, with his home runs, he does hit a decent amount of, with a decent amount of power to center and, and opposite field. So the ball impacts him maybe a little bit more. But, um, you know, all in all, I think it it's all looking up for him. I think he's incredibly safe just because he provides you across the board and the batting average, especially in today's game. Again, maybe changing a little bit because of the shift. Um, you know, that's that's a pretty impressive profile to be able to add at the catcher spot. I I just drafted him. I'm not even in a draft. I just drafted him. (laughs) Second round. No problem. No problem. Yep. I took Um, him in Varsha on the turn one, two. That's kind of sexy.
1: I'm just going to mention this because I I spoke out of turn there. They barely used him as DH last year. Uh, He's one of the few catchers. He caught 133 games, DH three times, played first base three times. Those were his 139. Um, So, like you said, if you start playing those DHs because of Harper being out of there, you might get seven, six to seven games a week, which really ups that ante, which keeps him fresher for the back end of the season when Harper comes back, and that could just change the whole make hopefully when Harper comes back, well, he's going to DH for a bit and then play the outfield. So that could be t- tremendous uh, for the JTR world, as you said.
0: So, I mean, and just what you said, like, so essentially with Real Muto, barring injury, you're looking at 550 plate appearances at as least, like yeah. kind of like the min that you're going to get without, D, without him DHing. So and it's only upside up, he, it's only upside from
1: there. He's one of the few catchers where you could probably look at a steamer 600 and be like, that's possible. That's legit possible. That's unlike, un- unlike most catchers where, the, especially before the DH, you're like, oh, 400, 450, that's a great season. JT can get 600 and not be surprised. So that'll be fun to check out. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the number two catcher on fantasy baseball drafts right now at ADP of 54.6, almost 20 picks after JTR. Is one Dalton Varsho, who um, had a great, great season, played in 151 games, 27 homers, 16 steals, only at 235. That was a fluctuating season. Like, you're a graph guy, Toby. He was an up-and-down deal, but power and speed was there. And one thing with him is we got lucky. He got 31 games, just inside the number we need, 114 games in the outfield, 15 games at DH, and if um, things seem like they're going to stay the same, he might be that 30 to 40 game catcher again this next year. And it might just be a thing. Hopefully, hopefully he doesn't land on 29. That'll be super frustrating. But I think um, it's
0: 20. I think it's 20 for NFBC.
1: Oh, I was only 29 with well, them. We're golden. Someone tried to tell yeah. me 30 the other day. Okay, it's so. 10.
0: I think it's 10 in season and 20. <sighs> 10 20 in overall. season for sure. Yeah. 10
1: in season for sure. Um, then perfect. Uh, he should make it every time then. barring something crazy. So Varsho is an awesome guy. As much as I love JTR, if I somehow miss him, I have zero problem taking Varsho around later or something because I believe this is what he is. Banged the drum a lot last year. Some were on board, some were not. It turned out to be very good. And I don't see that again. Average might not be there, but the power speed's undeniable, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Varsho is it's it. I think it's a really good example. One of the great things about being right on a player, you know, is you get to focus on when you were right on the player and ignore all the people you got wrong. That's yes. one of the great things about yeah. having a podcast, honestly, Definitely. That, is Definitely. just talk about the victories. All right. Yeah. But One yeah. of the things about Varsho, you know, I, I went into my, to the projections and I updated his playing time, I think to only 500 plate appearances. And he was like the 47th best player or something like that. And so really like, I, I think that's just like one kind of lesson is if you see that, if you see that playing time, you know, and, and, um, you know, is manually adjusting, you know, and not just going by that. You can make mistakes in the same way, don't get me wrong. So I'm I'm partially kidding. But like with a guy like Varsha, where you can see, like if you see a catcher and you're like, hey, I want to see what I see a ceiling with this guy. You know, I want to see what, you know, what it looks like if he gets up to that. You know, there's a couple catchers we're going to talk about later. Like what if he gets up to that 400, 500 plate appearances, as opposed to the 300, the 250. know that people are projecting him to that's one thing that you can do to really get a good sense of of where his value will be the thing that i love about varsho is part of what you mentioned i mean he played a lot in the outfield but he was gold glove caliber center fielder i mean tom Mm -hmm. uh tom tango that's his name right yeah he did like uh he shared like his spreadsheet he was like dalton varsho gets everything he should and he just misses the things that are impossible Like those are the only balls that he misses in center field. And so that gives him so much value, so much utility on the team that you're going to see him in the lineup just because defensively he's either the backup catcher or he's the stud, you know, center fielder. And so I think that's really, you know, kind of a key thing with Varsho and his playing time seems pretty, pretty set. I don't see that fluctuating um, too dramatically. You know, the plate skills are, are solid. Like they've been consistent throughout his time in the big leagues, you know, not great plate discipline, but his contact rate is, you know, at, um, uh, around league average at least. Um, so that's one of the things, the one thing that I didn't get to check out before that I was interested in, um, you know, for barrels, he had 40 barrels last year with 27 home runs. So maybe you see a little bit of regression there, but nothing too much. You know, the steamer projection of 24 home runs, 15 steals, 582 plate appearances makes a ton of sense to me. And that's just incredibly valuable. The one thing that I wanted to check out, of course, while we were, while we're on the air here, because I think that's the only time to ever check things out was just what his, what the impact of the shift might be, um, uh, on, on, on Varsho, um, So like with his batted balls, for instance, like if we look at um, uh, ground balls, um, taking a look at his BABIP on ground balls when he shifted, um, you know, so like 208, uh, well, oh man, I should have done this before. I would have just looked at his career. But last three calendar seasons, well, anyways, he's, um, so just seeing if there's like a difference there versus when he was not shifted. Um, because he is a lefty, um, and I remember seeing him, uh, hit, um, and, well, maybe, maybe he's got worse with no shift. Anyways, this is why we look at things beforehand, but I'm just saying he's a left-handed batter. They shift him, I believe. Um, and so it'd be really interesting to see, um, what that impact is going to be on his bat. If I don't think anything, it's going to be anything crazy or dramatic. But with these left-handed hitters, um, I think it's important to uh, to be mindful of that. So all around, Varsho is excellent. Um, I see no reason why he would regress. The only slight concern I have is like looking at his forty-game rolling average. His skills over his last forty games were pretty putrid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, whether that's just kind of the natural ebbs and flows of him, uh, or whether it's a skill thing, I- I'm not. I'm not too concerned.
1: Yeah, I'm not super concerned. The average like took a major drop, and the power is up and down. But I'd have to look. I'm just kind of guessing here from what I remember. The power was better towards the end at least, but the average still was a little not great. So definitely some things need to change, but that could just be pitchers figuring him out. Now he's going to figure them out. That's what young kids have to do. So we'll see how it plays out But that power speed. We'll play a catcher. There's no denying that. The third catcher off the board, one Will Smith. You mentioned him earlier out of the Dodgers. Picked three picks after Varsho at 57. Uh, Will Smith, uh, 24 home runs, one whole stolen base. Struck out only 16.6% of the time, which is pretty nice at 260. And you mentioned it earlier with the DH, he only caught 109 games. DH, 25 games. So that is a nice little rotation to get a catcher because the catcher suite So I me mean at 130 plus. That's beautiful. Another thing, I, I I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head now, but when I did the, the black book, there were like – 26, I think, catchers that played in 100 or more games. And, but there was only like 12 or 13. I think it was 130 plus or something like that. I broke it all down in the book, but there's like a, there's some quick device. Like there was a heavy top and then it just stretched out. Like you can see the platoons down below, but still 26 with 100 plus is big compared to years past. So it just shows you the, the variance. Will Smith getting those DHs was big for him. I don't really see that changing at all
0: yeah I mean will Smith is just incredibly consistent it's it's almost I took it's a almost big mi- I took it's a big almost mind boggling like his numbers just across the board are so consistent. he's so consistently good um you know, and I don't see those plate appearances going away you know the Dodgers are probably going to be worse offensively than they were last year um and so, so, so. i mean they will be right yeah i mean Turner. Yeah. No, no Trey Turner. I mean, that's a no huge, Cody that's, that's a huge, huge ding. Blow. I mean, Cody, you never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think Will Smith is just like, a. I I mean, he's, I mean, he's beautiful. Like he's great. Like he's, you kind of know what you're going to get. Like you're going to get a guy who hits around 260. You're going to get a guy who hits you 25 home runs, 60 to 70 runs, you know, 80 plus RBI. And it's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you're if you're good with entering the world of no steals, which like you said earlier, there's a few guys that'll steal you a couple bags throughout catchers, but you pretty much passed over the top two guys that are gonna help you. So now you're going good average because the average bag average in baseball last year is like two thirty four. So you're not getting a catcher that's two sixty, which is very, very nice, plus that power plus the run production that'll take place in that Dodgers lineup. It's a big, big plus for sure. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I, I like the Will Smith call. Quite a bit. We'll see how he goes. But I took the big L because I was not a Will Smith guy before. All right. Let's go to Salvi Perez, fourth catcher off the board at pick 65. Sorry. Um, He got injured a lot last year. Missed a lot of time. Still hit 23 home runs. Hit 254. So the average is down a bit from the last two years. Power is still okay considering the amount of playing time he had. Um, Still doesn't walk. Does not walk at all. But he caught 77 games and DH'd in 40 games. And with MJ Melendez in town, we might see Salvi play a ton of DH, which kind of makes me want to buy back into not being the guy we saw two years ago that put 161 games, at 40 home runs, or almost 50 homers. But a guy that can maybe play 140-plus games and hit you 30-plus homers, I think it's a real possibility with Salvi if he's DH'd. I think he's at dh at least half his games, if not more. So this could be a big, big thing for Salvi.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this is, I think where it comes into like, you know, with, with Will Smith, it's like, he's really good and he's super steady. And, but do you draft him ahead of Salvador Perez, you know, and the potential upside that you have there and knowing that if he's healthy, I mean, Sal's going to do as much, probably more damage than Will Smith will, but he's got more health issues throughout his career. Is that something that could happen again or not is his body, you know, starting to break down a little bit. I don't know, but he's still performing. And so I think that's the question with, um, with both Sal Perez and then with Abdi Rutschman as well is pretty similar profiles to what you get with Will Smith. So the question is like, do you jump on Will Smith a little bit earlier to go after that consistency? Cause you know, he's really good. Or do you go maybe a little bit more upside with Rutschman and, and with Salvi and, um, you know, and, and get to wait a little bit, get to wait around, um, to decide or just take the best of the three whichever one falls
1: yeah that's not the worst thing to do it makes you feel better because like i didn't have to make the tough choice but um i'm with because I, I think Salvi's in for a nice bounce back i think he's around the i'm glad you mentioned adley because that's the conundrum i've had right now is Salvi and adley um and i don't know if it's like i i've i've did not i've told i've said i don't have the will smith of bias anymore i'm completely off that board but i still think Salvi and adley are ahead of will and that's nothing against Will Smith. Like you said, that's still a great option if it falls to you in that order. Nothing wrong with that at all. But Salve, I legit thinks a 30-plus home run guy with that DH coming in the put of in Jim Melinda's sliding in. And then you mentioned Adley Rushman. He's the fifth catcher off the board um, at ADP of about sixty-nine seventy, he's so like, five picks after Salvi. So, from Will Smith to Adley, you have a 12-pick difference. So everyone's kind of just, like, just kind of go, go, go on those three at that point in time, and even if you throw Varsho in there, Varsho, Smith, Perez, Rushman, it's a 15-pick. It's a one-round difference it's because D.C.'s are 15-team leagues for those keeping track at home. And you got Adley. who played in 113 games last year, 13 homers, four steals, hit 254. But what I loved about him, a 13.8% walk rate, 18.3% strikeout rate in his first full season, his first period in the bigs. And he started off very slow, and then he really got comfortable. He called good games around the plate. And his bat followed. I think that's just going to get better because he's the prospect pedigree is there and he with offensive talent in the minors in college. Um, and he can run a little as we saw, which he really didn't do before, but the, he's young and it doesn't surprise you because the Orioles, at least he, last year's Orioles ran a lot, so that could be a philosophy there as well. Um, Adley's that one, like you said, is you know, the difference between Adley and Salvi and Salvi's probably a little more power, Adley can get a little more steals. Averages might be closer than you think. Um, And that's what makes that discussion very interesting between those two compared to the Will Smith one. So I like Adley a lot going forward, and I'm kind of torn on the Adley-Salvi thing. What are you thinking about Adley?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of agree with what ADP has going right now with Adley being a little bit behind. I do think that there's more, you know, there's a higher ceiling there just because, you know, development isn't linear. So we could see him still take another huge step. I mean, one thing that's interesting between uh, those guys, you know, when you look at um, home runs per plate appearance, uh, so this is steamer projected home runs per plate appearance. Salvador Perez is number four. Um, And that is, oh, let me just make sure I have the right thing going on here. (laughs) Um, Sorry, I was looking at uh, at my beautiful last year stats instead of this year stats. Um, so even still Salvi's number four, at 5.08% home runs per plate appearance, right? So he's way up there. Will Smith is seventh, you know, 4.75. Now to get to Rutchman, you got to go, uh, pretty far down. He's at only 3.28 home runs per plate appearance. So his 19 home runs in 579 um, projected plate appearances for, for Retchman, So I do think that there's a pretty significant difference in terms of at least what his projected power is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the steals, as you mentioned, are really nice, but if we're factoring in that, you know, you know, power, like, especially like thinking about Salvi, right? Like the power that we know Salvi can hit and the value that home runs have relative to steals, you know, maybe you go for the, the baked in more, um, home runs at that point in time than you do for the steals since they're not significant and you're not quite sure how much you're going to be able to rely on them. That said, you could see Rutschman take a bump up in batting average, right, because of the K rate um, being so low. You get something that's pretty rare with catchers—you get a high runs per plate appearance because of the OBP. You know where he's going to be hitting in that Orioles lineup. You mentioned the DH opportunities as well. So again, I think there's there's a pretty high ceiling if he takes that next step. Um, for sure. Like we don't, I don't think there's like a huge limit on his power. He just hasn't necessarily, he didn't necessarily show it last year and the projections aren't seeing it. Um, so again, like I think, you know, Rutchman versus Will Smith for me is like pretty easily Will Smith, Mm -hmm. but I can see where those three, you know, in a, in a matter of relative value, I think they're all, all really solid.
1: Yeah, in reality, I say I said the last two years after season reviews of my teams, power is always a weakness of mine. So I should probably just take Salvi or Will Smith and walk away. That should be my easy answer because that finding a catcher is going to give me twenty five plus home runs. Pretty good way to start things off. Uh, just something about Adley, and I didn't take Adley in my first draft. I'm doing. I just it was very tempting, very very tempting, but uh, I, I could see myself. This would be a fun one to watch throughout the season because I could see all three of those guys like playing out in different. Like it's a very good grouping, as you said, a very, very good grouping. And that gets us through the top five. And then we get a drop about 34 picks, 35 picks to Wilson Contreras at an ADP of 104. And Wilson's still looking for a home. He's like on the island with Tom Hanks right now, just looking for a home, trying to figure it out. Um, he hit 22 home runs last year, stole four bags. Always gives you about four or five steals. Usually. It's like, that's a thing that he's going to do for you. Hit 243. was injured for quite a bit. Played 72 games behind the plate, 39 games at DH. We just don't know where he's going. I'd imagine he's still a guy that will get a lot of DH at bats because you want that bat in the lineup. But um, you know, he's rumored to St. Louis, which would play him quite a bit, as we've seen in the past. Um, I think wherever he goes, he's obviously the number one, but it just depends on how much is he DH. I'd say probably 20 games or so. So he's still an elite option, but uh, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm always torn on the guys I haven't signed somewhere yet on what I'm doing with them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Contreras, like I'm normally a big Wilson Contreras fan. I don't know if I'm as big of a Wilson Contreras fan. I feel like depending on where he ends up, like I read a, a, an article, I think it was Ken Rosenthal, who was talking about the Astros being interested yeah. um, in Contreras to play catcher, but then also to play left field. So if he ends up in a situation like that where you see his plate appearances going up, you know, higher than the kind of 480 that he's been at consistently with the Cubs the last little bit, then I think you bump him up. But I think we're at the point where we've kind of seen in a lot of ways who Wilson Contreras is. And I think that's a pretty good catcher, but I'm not sure that he does anything quite well enough. Again, the situation could change that, but I'm not sure he does anything quite well enough where I really want to spend this type of a draft pick on him, probably just given some of the other players that are available later on. And it's because it's like, you know, when you think about like a Cal Raleigh, you're like, ah, this guy's going to crush my batting average, probably, you know, and it's like, yeah, that's probably true. Um, but Contreras isn't necessarily contributing that much to your batting average. And I think Raleigh is showing us that there's a higher ceiling for the home runs. And so thinking about the relative value of home runs at this point in time, then maybe you want to wait and go after a guy who maybe has a little bit more or has a pretty similar power, but maybe some question marks elsewhere just because you're passing up some really good players at this point in time. So um, you know, for me, I, I, I normally would have loved Contreras here. It'll depend on where he ends up. But at this point in time, I, I don't think I, I really want to snag him here.
1: Yeah, so far in the draft I'm doing, I passed on him a couple times and waited for one of these next couple catchers to to jump on because I got to that I'm kind of similar feelings to what you have is, you know, if I'm going to take a bad average hit, well, I can get a little upgraded out here, maybe a little less power and blah, blah, blah. So, man, I just don't know where he's going to play. And the bug's the heck out of me. It really does because what if he goes to the Giants? He is rumored to be even talking to the Giants. As good as he is, it's – not a great bump like it's not gonna be great so that, that 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 would stink as well so I'm just kind of nervous in those regards um next catcher off the board and this has been a fun one already because all off season the, the, there's still the crew that loves Alejandro Kirk the dude's awesome he's great but there's also some very smart people that are pointing out some flaws that we saw towards the end of the season he's got an adp of around 106 107 right now. Did still hit 14 home runs, hit 285, struck out 10.7% of the time while walking 11.6. That's elite, especially from a catcher. Caught 78 games, DH'd 51. If they wanted that bat in the lineup, and that's what you're going to keep getting from him. Um, and hopefully, you know, Danny Jansen, we'll talk about later, stays healthy to just let Kirk DH. That would be great. But um, Kirk's interesting, Toby, because when you dig into kind of what took place at the end of the year, the contact was more ground ball contact, a little weaker contact as the season went on end of the season with a pretty high uh, ground ball rate which still an an easy flick and he changes the elevation a little bit and next you know he's got 20 home runs or something like that's not he's still hitting them a hard like that's still a thing so it's an interesting thing that took place at the end of the year like do we read too much into it or do we say this guy's still an elite plate discipline guy an elite contact person and we just roll with that because he's still super young and super productive
0: you want to know who's saying that about Alejandro Kirk Kirk who same people who are like Vlad Jr. is gonna make this huge jump in his ground ball rate. Yeah, true. No, yeah. I mean I, I'm just I'm just Who kidding. said that? Who um, said that? not me. I, I always knew <laughs> Vladito was gonna be great. Uh he's gonna be super overrated this year, though. Just gonna go on record again. I'm ready for my second tour of shame in three years. Um for Kirk, uh no, I mean I think the thing for Kirk is. I mean the ground ball rate is is very high. I mean there's no there's no arguing with that. But if you draft him, you know, if you draft him like I think there's ceiling there and I think the batting average is legit, right? He, the guy doesn't strike out. Part of the reason why he has a uh, higher batting average is because of the ground ball rate. Now the question becomes like do you think that he is going to be in the big leagues like uh, 48% ground ball rate guy, or do you think that he might, you know, be closer to some of the numbers that he put up in, in the minors, right? Like 44.3, 41.3, 42.9. Um, you know, so if he can get down in that area, right, that's going to bump him up a number of home runs yep. um, per year. But even with that, like 285, he hit 14 home runs, you know, he's playing like a ton, yep. right? 541 plating plate appearances for a catcher. He had 28 barrels and he only had the 14 home runs. So he's a little bit under, you know, maybe what you might expect from that. Um, So you have batting average, you have a little bit of power ceiling. He's not going to steal bases, but he's in a good Blue Jays lineup. Um, You know, so I think you just got to understand when you're building your team that you're maybe not counting on as many home runs, but you're counting as on the batting average. And for me, it's like, I look at him and Wilson Contreras and I'd go Kirk all the time because i think the the ceiling is higher, higher the plate appearances are higher you have that batting average so what you're what you're hoping for is that those home runs get into 20 to 25 range and if that happens with the batting average that he has yep. you know i mean that's like an incredibly valuable player at the catcher position um, he, he jumps sure. will smith so, yeah to i mean me, to me to so, me
1: yeah like, if he's putting 25 homers in that average that jumps will smith for me but
0: but yeah, I mean it. Just it just depends what, what It's a lot of yeah. what ifs. It's a lot of yeah, what ifs. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah,
1: like when I said I passed on Contreras in my draft, I took Kirk. I I, I had the option. I took Kirk over Contreras. Um, might be wrong. Still with it. right.
0: I like it. Well, I, I mean the thing,
1: it's the ground ball rate. I think he comes back down to earth. No pun intended with ground ball. Like I think it's going to happen, and that I can see. Let's say five more home runs. Now we're close to twenty, like you said, and that's a game changer.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, what one of the one of the things that I'm trying to think about this year is I'm trying to think about drafting good players. <laughs> uh, it seems like a joke, Bubba, but I feel like sometimes, especially with the type of analysis that I do, uh, it's a little like sometimes it's like it's like a good example is Paul Goldschmidt last year, right? Yep. Yep. Paul Goldschmidt last year. You and I had conversations about him. Yep everything looked great. It all looked beautiful. It looked wonderful. Everything looked good, great, fantastic. And yet how many teams did I end up with him on? I think I ended up on one with him on one team. And that was a standalone league, you know, where I wasn't as conscious about building a balanced team. And that was the team that won that also had JTR. And it's like, sometimes you just got to like, be like, you want to know something? I'm going to count on this guy, like a Will Smith, where I know what I'm going to get. And it may not be sexy. It may not have the same ceiling, but I'm going to get that guy and I'm just going to get him because he's good. And because I can plug him in there and I I can try to target upside elsewhere. So there's also that kind of train of thought, which I'm trying to be a little bit more open-minded to in thinking about how I'm, how I'm building out my team. So I will say that, but I agree. I mean, Kirk, there's a lot of potential there. And again, like, I mean, he could be traded like Danny Jansen, who we'll talk about later, could be traded. Gabriel you know, Moreno Mano, have, could be options. traded. I mean, like, there's a lot of opportunity there. 100%. So,
1: yeah, we'll wait and see how that goes. But, uh, love Kirk. Love Kirk again this year. Eighth catcher off the board. Another Royal, two Royal catchers in the top eight. MJ Melendez pick 113 catcher outfit eligible because he played 78 games at catcher, 38 games at the outfield, 23 games at DH. And a lot of those games, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know from DFS. A lot of them were at leadoff, folks. He was at the top of that order, which is weird because he walked because he has he had a three thirteen OBP because he walked twelve percent of the time, but a two seventeen batting average just creeped into I guess an okay leadoff hitter. But it was the Royals too, so remember that. But still, eighteen homers, two stolen bases. He ran a little bit in the minors, not a ton, but that was reasonable. But the runs will be there. He's got the pop. I think we see the batting average come back. We saw him hit really good in the minors uh, up before last year. Last year he struggled in the minors as well, but prior to that was a very good hitter in the minors. I think there's a lot to like with Indian Melendez. I, we need him to stay healthy to keep Salvi at DH. Um, there's kind of a, a yin and a yang thing here. I don't know if I can take him as the eighth catcher, but again, if he starts hitting for a better average, that just means more power, more run score. Like there's a lot to like with Andrew Melendez because the Royals are gonna keep putting him out there.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Melendez a lot. Um, again, like I think it's a pretty Similar discussion to, um, like he's one of the reasons I don't like Contreras either this year, really, because I see a pretty similar profile. Yeah, I could see, but that. him being younger and more with more upside, you know. Um, I mean, the plate skills are great, great plate discipline. The contact rate is, you know, it's a little slightly below league average, but it's fine, like, it's good enough. Um, You know, he's, uh, hits the ball in the air, a decent amount. Um, he had 35 barrels, you know, only 18 home runs. So again, around 50% barrel per home run rate, which is uh, relatively low, um, even for the league. And so there's some there's some possibility there. Like he kind of checks all of the boxes. And I think, whereas with Contreras, we kind of know what we've seen with him. I think, um, you know, with Melendez, like, I think the floor is pretty, I mean, the floor is obviously him like going back to the minors or something like that. But I think that that's highly doubtful for a guy that they see as being a a key part of their future. And so with him playing, I think, um, I think there's a lot to like, and, and I think there's, there's a lot of potential ceiling there. Um, And again, you know, left-handed batter, um, you know, I tried to do a little bit more research this time. So you know, his, he's much better when he's not facing the shift. Yeah. So whether how much of an impact, again, that will have is probably not that much, but it does impact where he was weakest last year, which is batting average.
1: Yeah, so I, literally it's so simple to me with him. It's just he can get even 20, hit 240, and that's going to be a game changer. I think he legit could, he, he could hit 240 pretty easily, I think. So MJ Melinda another guy that could be on the rise. This is why the catcher's position is so deep compared to years past for me. Still the elite guys up top. But it's like if you just happen to miss out, you're not dead yet. Like there's still some pretty good that's why I feel good getting like one guy up top and like one guy out of the next like top 12 or so. And I'm very confident in taking those two to, to battle. So that's where that's where I, I like this this setup this year. Ninth catcher off the board, a really big guy, Toby. Really huge. big guy. Huge this guy,
0: guy. what is he? Uh like six, six four, two twenty-five.
1: <laughs> Tyler Stevenson. He is ADP of 135, huge. Sucked because he got hurt multiple times with some flukish injuries last year. So he only played in 50 games, six home runs, one steal, hit 319. We talked about it going into last season. His hit tool, his hard hit rates, his whatever you wanted were outstanding. He plays first base, he catches, he'll h. so as long as he can stay healthy, and there were some fluky injuries. I'm gonna just he got like a foul tip off his hand, and that's catcher's injuries. So I shouldn't say too fluky, that's a catcher's injury. But they weren't like he pulled a hamstring or you know is oblique or something. If he's healthy, come up any day, which you should be, this potentially could be a guy that you get some serious value on. Cause last year he was, I believe, was going much higher than this. So I like Tyler Stevenson quite a bit right now.
0: Yeah. Um, I know I, I was down on him last year. I was, I was kind of wrong. I got lucky with the, with the, I didn't get lucky with the injury, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was just wrong on him. Um, yeah. Stevenson's, he's, um, he's interesting to me because, um, a lot of the qualities like so far he's got 600 plate appearances and that 296 batting average those 18 home runs you know which is really nice you know 84 and 86 so you think if this guy catches and plays first base a little bit of dh you know he gets up to those that 500 to 600 plate appearances he could be great so um i don't i don't hate it at all um, i do think you know his career BABIP is 358 he, hit four, he had a 409 Babbitt last year. And so you may be saying, well, he's got the career-high Babbitt, but we've also only got 605 plate appearances. Um, and I'd really have to think about, like, why exactly does Tyler Stevenson have – like, why would he have a higher Babbitt than usual? Is, it, is he hitting a lot of line drives? Is he – you know, I'm not quite sure what would make him, as a guy who's not really, like, has a super high-quality batted ball, you know like i mean his his barrel rate is 5.9 you know he's got uh he's got 18 home runs on 24 barrels you know so like 75% home run per barrel rate um you know there's nothing bad ball quality to me that would really point to him um having a 358 Babbitt. so i think that's why you see steam r- regressing the batting average so high to 257 but even still, I mean, maybe that's a little bit low for him. And, you know, the power again is 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 okay. So I think he's like all around. He'll be he should be fine. Um I don't know about at this spot or not, like whether I would whether I would it's, dive in at this spot or not. It's
1: tricky because of the injuries, but I think I think it's safe to say if he plays one thirty plus, he's gonna be a heck of a fantasy catcher. That's a big sure. if. Obviously it's a big if, but like he's got that that talent like a batting average alone. He could be a Kirk or better level, which we don't see a lot of catcher positions.
0: So that's big. I think that'll be the key because he doesn't really have a standout skill otherwise. And the Reds are gonna be yeah. pretty bad, although it's obviously a great great park to hit in. So yep.
1: yeah, so I'll have to keep an eye on him as the offseason goes on. The tenth and final catcher we'll talk deeply about in the top ten, obviously, is William. Contreras. so we had two royals in the top eight we have two Contreras in the top 10 and this technically isn't even the starting catcher for the Atlanta braves we'll get to that in a minute he's an adp 146 he played in 97 games out here at 20 home runs two stolen bases walked over 10 percent of the time hit 278 um he caught in 60 games outfield one game dh 34 games they wanted that bat in the lineup Travis Darno caught 99 games, DH six. They wanted his bat in the lineup. It's a very nice platoon where both guys get their love. And I could see William getting even a little more love because you got to think he didn't start the year in the Bigs and still play that many games. Um, the talent's ridiculous. I'm a huge fan. The only concern I have, Toby, is he technically is not the starting catcher. So if the bat slips up, he'll lose DH chances. And then it gets interesting. And that's where it gets tough. But I think the bat's legit too. Maybe not a two, out to that batting average, but maybe a 250-ish. The power's there, though. So I'm still a believer, a big-time believer in William Contreras, but I will say there is a little concern if the bat slips, DH chances could leave.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's baked in to the price a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, you got to ask yourself, like, straight-up talent-wise, like, who would you rather have, William Contreras? And this is fantasy perspective, obviously. William Contreras or Wilson Contreras, right? I don't know seems, William. Yeah, I mean, it I seems know, like William. the answer is kind of nice. William, like the higher ceiling, mm-hmm. pretty similar, like overall um, repertoire, um, with yeah, like a, a pretty fantastic ceiling, I think, um, to grow. Just because that ground ball rate is so um, is so so high. So yeah, I mean, I think that's baked in there a little bit. You know, the possibility for trades like Braves seem to be angling towards Sean Murphy. If he goes to like the A's, then it might stay, stay clear of electric, him. Yeah. But, but um, think about
1: all those playing time. Yeah. Sean
0: Murphy. Had. It's true. So, it's yeah. true. All parts. So steps, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it'd be okay. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting, but I mean, he's got, he's, he's electric, right? Yep. I mean He's got great batted ball quality. You can see why he has a higher than average Babbitt, just the way he hits yep. the ball. So,
1: I think node goes in the trade if Murphy comes over. That's mm-hmm. my thoughts. I think Travis goes. They get a veteran that they can control for a couple years in Oakland. It's like the perfect storm. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Hazen always do the perfect storm, so <laughs> we'll see see what happens in that one. All right, for ADP eleven through twenty, we'll hit on a couple guys we want to talk about here. Um, it's Sean Murphy, Cal Raleigh, Travis Darnoed, Kyber Kai- Ruiz, Danny Jansen, Yasmani Grandal, Jonah Heim, Christian Vasquez, Logan O'Hop and Gabriel Moreno. So that's 11 through 20. And there's some very viable fantasy catchers there still, or at least guys you can make cases for that you wouldn't be shocked if they kind of took a step high enough to be a very viable fantasy catcher. And that kind of preaches to the depth of position again. So I just want to mention one thing real quick on Sean Murphy, and I'll let you have the floor on your first one. We kind of hinted at it earlier on the games played. And it's ridiculous what he did there. I just want to bring it to light again real quick. 148 games played, over 600 played appearances as catcher. And the only concern I have is if he gets traded, how does that play? Because in Atlanta, he won't, I don't think, get that much. Who comes to Oakland? Just something to keep in mind, like I mentioned earlier. But if he stays in Oakland, at an ADP of the 11th catcher off the board with an ADP of um, 155, that's an interesting catcher, too. I don't know if I trust him with my catcher one. Very interesting catcher, too. Just wanted to bring that up. You can comment on that if you want, or I'll let you have the
0: floor for your next guy. Um, yeah, I mean, Murphy, I mean, he played a lot last year. Um, let me just bring, let me, let me just bring him up. Um, yeah, he played a lot last year. Everything looks fine. You know, slightly higher Babbitt than he would usually have, which may have impacted the batting average. Um, yeah, he looks, looks fine. Nice little step up in contact. So yeah, Always 44, hit hard. Always hit yeah, hard. 44 barrels and he finished with 18 home runs. So a lack of luck there, although you wonder how much of that is park related, let's see in his career, he's got 89 barrels and 46 home runs. So, you know, he's a little bit unlucky there. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's fine. And it'll be interesting to see if he goes to a, to a better team, you know, yeah. like you mentioned, like what what happens there um so the first guy i wanted to talk about was danny jansen um i was i was amazed i had jansen on a few teams and i feel like i dropped him like three quarters of the way through the season people did unfortunately and um and and i was like he hit 260 what he was not hitting 260 when i dropped him 15 home Um, runs in
1: 72 games
0: (laughs) but i mean he could be so good i mean with the opportunities and staying healthy um you know there's a ton to like there i mean he hit 248 despite the. 255 Babbitt. There's nothing that jumps out as being like absolutely outrageous. Like his home run per fly ball rate was relatively in line with where he is. He just hits a lot of fly balls. You know, he cut that strikeout rate. He's always had good plate discipline. He's always had good contact skills. You know, he showed all of that last year. Um, And then one of the things, you know, and um, uh, you know, you combine like, for instance, his last two years, 2021 and 2022, you know, you get, uh, 450 plate appearances or so about a 240 batting average, you get 26 home runs, 66 RBI, 72 or 72 RBI, 66 runs. Like that's a fantastic line for a catcher. Um, he's got it all. Like he's got all of the tools. He just needs that playing time. He just needs that health. Um, so I like Jansen a lot. And then I look at like, So, looking at his catcher projection for this year, it's like, you know, he's one of the top players in home runs per plate appearance. He's one of the top players in runs per plate appearance from the catcher position, that is. He's one of the top players in runs per plate appearance. You know, he's got a slightly green walk rate, he's got a green K percentage, green being he's better than league average um, among catchers. Like, even within stolen bases, he's higher, you know, than a lot of places. He's he's projected for 120 WRC plus. So as like an actual baseball player, he's like, he's good. <laughs> so um, Danny Jansen is a player um, who I who I like a lot. Liked him last year. Gave up on him. I'm sorry, Danny. I'll go back to the well this year. Make me happy.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to like with Danny Jansen. We talked about him. Every year we love Danny Jansen. He just can't stay healthy. He's a <clears throat> very good defensive catcher. Going to keep him on the field. And the bat's legit. You mentioned the... Bad to to bag average ratios. His ISO is great. He's, he's everything about him. I love his <clears throat> his plate discipline. Seventeen percent strikeout, ten percent walk. Like there's a lot to love with Danny Jansen. So big, big fan of his. Um, I just wanted to bring a quick note because the next guy we both like a lot. So we'll get to him in a second. But so I'll bring up one more guy here. Is Jonah Heim. Keep an eye on Jonah Heim. When I wrote about him, the the quickest thing I could say is he could be Cal Raleigh light. Because everybody likes Cal Raleigh because of what he does power-wise, but his average sucks. And I don't see that changing tremendously. Um, Jonah Heim, 16 home runs in 127 games, 227 batting average. He showed, uh, he showed some okay power throughout the minors, but usually better batting average throughout the minors. So that's something to think about as well. Um, when you look at um, the projections they have for 14 and 235 in only 107 games, he played a t- he played 111 of those games from uh, behind the dish, nine at DH. A lot of it was because Mitch Garver went out with an injury. Well, Mitch Garver, his bad average is like a he hasn't hit above, I think, 207 in the last four years. So, sure, he can hit for power, but he's not great. Jonah Himes, a better catcher than him and actually a better offensive player than Mitch Garver. So, I think Jonah Himes get a lot of run there in Texas. And if he can go get you 130 games now, because he's a start the year at catcher or more, he can have another 15 to 20 home runs, hit for an okay average, you get him a bunch of picks later than Cal Raleigh. And just a guy I wanted to bring up that he's. A young guy that could could potentially take another step as long as he you know gets the job and they don't give it to you know Sam Huff or whatever who got a lot of power as well. But uh, I think Jonah Heim's a guy just to keep an eye on nothing crazy, but could slip in drafts and give you some late power at the catcher's position.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good shout too. I, I like I like Jonah Heim as well, right. um, and he's a switch hitter, right? Uh, I have a, um, I have, I have him up I'm, right here. I'll, or is sorry, he a lefty? Right,
1: yeah. Uh he's switch hitter, yeah. Switch hitter. Yeah, switch hitter. He's yeah. oh and he's huge. Six four, two
0: twenty. Wow. Almost as big. Almost, almost almost as big as Tyler Stevenson. Yep. Yeah. Uh the next guy I'm gonna talk about is not as big as those guys.
1: No, but he has he has a big chance to break out.
0: Yeah. Uh Logan O'Hop is the guy, um, which probably isn't a surprise to a lot of people out there. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of, we don't have a big sample to go by with in the, in the big league. So I'll focus on the steamer projection that we have for him. And I will note, I will note that the steamer projection has been a little high, um, on, uh, on players who, uh, players coming from the minors. Um, so I'll kind of, um, I'll kind of put that out there a little bit before I say that. So this may be a little bit assertive. But um Logan O'Hop, this is the projection for Steamer has him at 267 plate appearances, you know, so 11 home runs. Um so a better than average for catchers home runs per plate appearance, 34 runs, uh 12.73% runs per plate appearance which is very solid um towards the uh the upper echelon of catchers and runs per plate appearance. Uh, towards the upper echelon of catchers in RBI per plate appearance um, as well. Uh, same with walks. The strikeout rate is very low. It's been low throughout his minor league career, so he puts the ball in play. He also has a really good eye. He steals a few bases, three projected steals, um, and a 246 batting average, 118 WRC plus um, for OHOP. Um, so, you know, for those reasons, that's intriguing enough. I think with the Angels, uh, there's definitely... Um, uh opportunity there i mean you've got max Stasi who's there but let's be honest the guy hasn't really been able to put it together it's, and if he can hit red. yeah um yeah and so i like um oh hop if you play around with the plate appearances and instead of giving him 267 he's closer to 400 you know then you start to get into some really interesting um territory so um i like i like oh hop I, I see why people are being relatively assertive with him, you know, in the top 300 of ADP right now. Um,
1: so yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one thing I'll add on, like some, this was the guy we were both going to talk about on level hop as well. Um, I really, really liked, I know super small sample, five whole games with the angels, but between the angels, double a Phillies, double a and the angels in the pros last year, he had a walk rate above 12.5% at every level and a strikeout rate right below 18.8. And, uh, Given those are the lowest, the walk and the Ks were the worst in the bigs. Small sample. Just the fact he had that kind of play discipline throughout the entire season at all levels, I liked a lot. Batting average was good at all levels, which I liked a lot. Uh, he had tons of power in the minors. Uh, we'll see how that continues to translate. But the bottom line is he's a very good pure hitter, and his plate discipline improved a bunch last year from the before. He was never a massive walk guy. striker rate was always good, but the walks weren't there. The fact he starts looks like he's developing that throughout the minors I think is a big plus as well. You put him in there in a lineup that he can learn from guys like Trout and Otani and some other guys. Uh, if he can somehow soak up some knowledge from them, which would be some of the best you'll find in baseball, this kid—I, I, I'm—this is all. This is not even good analysis technically, but I'm just saying soak up talent from them. It's it's—he could be a big thing. And the fact he's around an ADP of 300, if he—if we find out come spring he is the starting catcher, he is a top 200 ADP, if not higher. Like he's going to balloon up that board. Because there's already a lot of hype as it is, but I think it's kind of just timid still. If he becomes the guy, it's going to skyrocket. So one of the perks to early drafts a guy like this. It could backfire, but uh, he's one of those guys that could be tremendous for sure. Okay, now late round flyers. we got two each we will discuss here for you. So this is past the 20th catchers off the board. Anybody from 21 down, which means ADP of 313 down, is on the table. And I like both the ones Toby picks. We'll go back and forth. Toby, who's your first one you have picked here?
0: Yeah, the first one I have is uh, Christian Bethencourt um, for the Rays. Um, A lot of this, I mean, last year he had 333 plate appearances. He had five homers, 252 batting average, five steals. Um, Checks a lot of the boxes. I mean, the major concern is the O-swing is is a little out of control at 47.4%, but he's a hyper-aggressive guy. Um, makes a decent, I mean, the contact's low, but when you combine it, like the strikeout rate isn't that high because he's so aggressive, um, he's swinging so much. Um, so that's really nice. You look at the barrels, he had 28 barrels for those 11 home runs. So he was unlucky there, you know, the max EV is really nice. Like he, he makes really high quality contact. And so I think that's going to help him on a couple, um, accounts, but the home runs per plate appearance should go up. The home runs overall should go up as long as he gets some run. And we know that he's played, you know, a variety of different positions. The Rays like to move folks around. Um, They also, you know, um, aren't aren't that good at hitting. I mean, they're good at, they're a good, decent enough hitting team, but um, there's not like a ton of, um, I don't think there's a ton of competition at this point in time um, for him. Um, And they only have him at 287 plate appearances with his steamer projection. 11 home runs, 32 runs, 36 RBI, three steals, a 248 batting average. So very, very solid. And that's like half a season. So um, if he plays more, then that's great. Um, if you can get him in there while he's running hot, you know, I think that's, that's good. Swap him out with some other guys, but I really like, um, I really like Beth and court um, a lot. Um, so I think he's one of, if not the best value right now on, on, on the board.
1: Definitely a lot of him. He reminds me a lot of Tyler Stevenson, honestly, um, because I think he's got potential to hit for a high average and see where it goes from there. But interesting thing with uh, Betancourt, when he's with the A's, 14 games at catchers, 31 at first base, 10 at DH. Because Tampa, 35 at catcher, only six at first base, one at DH. So you'll mm-hmm. we'll see how a full season in Tampa works. Regardless, he's still playing. About the same amount of games played. So that didn't matter. But um, Francisco Mejia is there, and they like to still use him because his bat's not horrific, but it's not an everyday bat. And so it'll be interesting. But they want to get Christian's bat in the lineup, and they should. He's very, very good. So I like that value as well, especially you know post-300, like you said. Lots to like there. Uh, my first guy I'll talk about was the 21st catcher off the board. at pick 313 is Eric Haas. This is a guy I picked up in leagues I think every season now. I pick him up at some point, and then he produces towards the end of the year. And it goes back to what I talked about earlier. I have I'm always power deficient on my teams. You know, Haas at 22 home runs in 2021, hit 14 last year, but he hit 254. He improved his batting average 21 points last year. Lowered his strikeout rate from 31 to 27, 31 uh, two to 27 six, which I like to see quite a bit. And um, he actually caught a lot compared to, to usually he had 84 games caught last year compared to 66 the previous year. 11 games in the outfield, 13 games of the DH. They play them all over the place. You know, we know the Tigers aren't the best lineup. They want to keep his bat out there. It's a very good bat. Um, I, I'm really curious if the like, extra 20 games behind the plate affected, you know, the five or six home run difference from the two years. Like, did it really drain? Because it could. Catching that much can definitely drain your power. But even if he's a 15 plus home run guy and he gets to that 254 average at, pet, at post three thir- uh, pick 313, post pick 300, I like Eric Haas quite a bit. I think there's a lot of talent to like there. And they don't really have anybody else. Like, Jake Rogers is there. Um, you know, tra- tra- uh, Tucker barnhart has gone. So it's Eric Costa's job. And I think that makes him much more rel- reliable come draft day this year compared to other seasons.
0: Yeah, he was so good li- towards the back end of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: who's your second guy? Because this is a guy I had on like, every DC team last year, and he reaped the benefits of the second half.
0: Yeah, this is JTRJ. This is yep. uh, JTR yep. Jr. Here's your, here's your late round steals, folks. Uh, Nick Fortez um, yep. is the second one that I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, the projection isn't that stellar for him i mean you know uh, his plate appearances steamers got him at 240 you know eight home runs four steals 247 batting average so not hurting you in that batting average a little bit of pop uh, you know a little bit of speed but if we kind of like zoom out a little bit so far in his major league experience he's got 274 plate appearances he's got 13 home runs and six steals you know, so maybe there's a little bit development that's not showing in the steamer. Again, being a little bit on the, um, like one of the things that I'm also trying to think about is like, you know, is is in later rounds, you know, going for those skills, like going for what could go right mm-hmm. versus, you know, that kind of, um, not like plain guy that's going to like play every day, but like go looking for those opportunities where guys can really outperform, you know, what their projection might be. And I think with Fortez, with the speed, there's that opportunity. I think also thinking about the Marlins and the context of them, Fortez is 26. Not sure how old Stallings is, but he looks really old. Yeah. So I feel like there's motivation there to give Fortez a pretty big um, to see whether he's kind of their catcher of the future or not and can be kind of part of that young core um, that's coming up. And again, if he can continue to play at that level close to what he's done so far. You know, you could be looking at a guy who could go, you know, uh, 15 and eight. You know, Um, things could could go well. You know, he's got 17 barrels in that amount of time, 8.7% barrel rate for those 13 home runs. So he's hitting the ball at a decent clip. You know, he's improving. His catching is all right, at least his framing is. So I feel like, you know, again, if you bump up that projection from that 240, um, to closer to 400, uh, 450, you know, then it starts to get a little bit more, um, more interesting. So Fortez is a, a guy I like, who can provide a little bit of a, upside, a well-rounded profile, really, you know, look relatively low strikeout rate. The batting averages should be decent for him too. So, um, I don't mind him as like a catcher too. um,
1: yeah, no, I'm a big fan, big fan. As I said I drafted him everywhere. I was like my third or fourth catcher in D.C.'s, hoping to get his chance. Stay traded for Stallings last year for his defense because that rotation is so good. I think they realized as the season went on, we need some uh, hitting. And we saw uh, Fortez ended the season with 59 games catcher, one at first base, 13 at D.H. They wanted to get that bat out there. I think it'll improve even more this next year. So I'm with you on him. I think he's a, a decent catcher two option. If not in like D.C.'s, definitely snag him up as a catcher three because he's gonna. it'll be a point where he becomes the guy. And I think he's going to have to be because they need to score some runs in Miami, So especially with the additions that have already been made today in the National League East. They're going to need to put up some runs if they want to compete. So I like Fortes quite a bit. I like that call as well. My second guy is one that I'm taking as a catcher three anywhere I can right now. I took him in my first one. I mean, technically, I that way too early draft I did. But it's like my first current one. Just took him in a draft. And that is Indy Rodriguez. Big fan of what Indy Rodriguez is doing. And right now he has an ADP of doo, 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 or I just went past him of four twenty nine point eight, so four thirty. Right now he's a thirty second catcher off the board. And what's fun about Andy Rodriguez? He's never played in the bigs. Twenty two years old, AAA for the Pirates, but they have nobody at catcher. Like, roster resources, is not the end all be all, especially in early December. But he's projected to be the starting catcher, and in reality, if he has a decent spring. He could be a starting catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Like It's a reality here. If not at some point in the season, he's going to get a good run here. So it might be tough to take him in a redraft league right now, but you, I wouldn't be drafting redraft leagues if I didn't have to right now. But I like Andy Rodriguez quite a bit. 25 home runs across three levels of the minors last year, four steals. He's shown some steals upside over the last few years. Power's developed over the last two years. As it for a 290-plus average every year since 2019. Uh, technically since 2008, every year in the minors, outside of one little rookie ball stint. With the Mets in 2018, he's been phenomenal. And what I love, I mentioned it with um someone earlier, over an 11 point percent walk rate at every stop he's had, and he's had a 20 point eight percent or 20 percent walk uh, strikeout rate in two stops. Everything else has been below that. So phenomenal plate discipline from a kid that's 22 years old. I know the minors are, are easier than the bigs will be, and it might be a little worse. But like James Anderson, and some very smart guys say, if they strike out a lot of the miners, they'll strike out a lot in the bigs. He doesn't strike out a lot in the minors, so if that you know 17% turns to 24%, you can live with that, especially with the hitting tools he has. I like what Eddie Rodriguez has a lot. Um, Pittsburgh is not a great place to hit. I'm very aware of that. But at an ADP of like 430, I'm willing to take a chance on a kid. A kid, a kid. he's 22, just started drinking a year ago. Um, could be a potential stud. And if it's not this year, in the coming years, his hit tools are that good. So I love the ADP for him in DCs, in the PC 50s. He's a great third or even fourth catcher. If you go early on catcher, uh, he's a guy I'm looking to snag anywhere I can right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great shout. And again, like steamers a little bit high on on prospects, but has uh, ND for 245 plate appearances, uh, nine home runs, 31 runs, 31 RBI, two steals. And I think one thing um, that you mentioned with the lower K rate is the um, batting average. It's got him at 262. You know, which puts him um, fifth uh, among all catchers um, in batting average, projected batting average from um, Steamer. So, and then you know, a lot, a lot of green and yellowish green um, on his projection page in terms of the actual rates uh, per plate appearance. So, again, like you mentioned, if he can become the starter, then I think there's a lot of possibility there. Yeah, it could be tremendous.
1: All right, let's get some listener questions you guys came through for us to start things off. I know there'll be more questions as draft prep continues on, but we'll start with our buddy. Who else would we start with except Dave Petruziello coming through here was just wondering why Toby has been so quiet on Twitter. He's been relaxing, folks. He's been enjoying his family and his life. I'll let you answer that. You want to answer that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've been quieter on Twitter, I think, for like a couple years now, probably. Um, uh, Yeah, I, I, I'm just... I'm just a lurker now. You know, I just go down there and look for news and stuff like that. Um, but um, yeah, but it's uh, yeah. I just been, I've been taking a break from fantasy baseball. I really haven't done like a ton of analysis, which you may have been able to tell um, <laughs> through the podcast here. We'll improve. I promise as we get, as we get closer to the season, I'm really missing having my projections and my spreadsheets, you know, cause all we have is steamer right now. So once like yeah. the bad and ATC and some other ones come out, I'll kind of put those together combine them um but yeah i'm just kind of trying to hang out i put so much time energy and effort into fantasy baseball for six months of the year you know i just really want to wanted to take a break and i'm still taking a break i'll 100%. i'll get into it at, um at some point but yeah that's my story
1: definitely and then he asked i missed on toby's boy jtr last year but i don't see 21 steals repeating on the wrong side of 30 but he got some extra wear on playing uh playing in the, and he got some extra wear playing into november i feel like I feel that taking flyers and catcher is the way to go this year. Do you guys see it that way too? Toby likely does not. We kind of hit on that earlier. Like we still want one of the premier ones. We both already talked about JTR with all that DHing could be tremendous. Um, but I also agree there's tons of depth. So I don't. I'm not looking to punt the position. But I want at least one of the big guys. I'll say that much. And in big guys, maybe it's now the top five or six. So I'll be honest because if you, there's a lot of really good guys. But I want. I, I kind of want to leave with like two of the top twelve to fifteen. I want. That's my goal. But what about you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I still like them uh, high up at the top there. I mean, I think the key is also like there's always guys that pop out, you know, of nowhere. And the question is, are you, can you identify them ahead of time? You know, um, are they going to be on your team? Are you going to be able to pick them up on the wire? Are you going to see that? Are you going to win the competition in fab if somebody starts out high? So there's all those questions, which is why I think kind of being, um, being aggressive early on and getting some of those guys that you can kind of lock in and feel comfortable and confident about, um, I think is, is, is very helpful.
1: Definitely. Everybody, Ryan roof from Rotowire. Who was the last catcher one you'd feel comfortable with in a DC for me? It's probably William Contreras. I'd still like a guy higher, but like the Alejandro Kirk and Jim Melinda's William Contreras realm. Um, I, I could live with that. I would just make it a point to get a second catcher quickly. That's just where I would sleep, but I, I could live with that. What about you?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think I was looking at like MJ Melendez, maybe. Yeah. Um Contreras is a good shout. I think for my catcher one, I, I probably want a little bit more, a little bit safer Stability. playing time. Yeah. Yeah, but I do like one of those maybe, maybe those top five there. Um yeah. the JTR through Rutschman. Um sure. those are all. Yeah, I I, I kind of like those those ones. But I think probably maybe Melendez. Yep, I like it.
1: Uh, Richard Sands, our buddy, asks, go deep for DC drafters. Which late post ADP 300 catchers do you feel comfortable rostering? We hit on Christian Bethencourt, Eric Haas, Nick Fortes, Indy Rodriguez. I think we're good on those ones. Is there anybody else that stood out to you? Because those are the ones that... Uh, post 300? Yeah. You don't have to go deep right now. We hit four of them.
0: Yeah. I would just say, like, I mean, Elias Diaz is always interesting being in Colorado... Yeah. Having the bulk of the playing time, you know, underperformed a little bit last year, but you can always get lucky. I mean, one one guy that I'll that I'll wait. Do we get it? Do we have a question about Alvarez? Uh,
1: yes, yes, we do. We have one coming up. Okay, I'll
0: I'll wait up on that then.
1: I'll mention Bo Naylor. The Cleveland's looking to try to bring in a catcher with stings. If somehow Bo gets the job there, that hit tool is ridiculous. So that's one to keep. But it's like you pay at three nineteen frame or you go four thirty and you get Andy Rodriguez. I'll take Andy Rodriguez all day long. So. That's the troublesome, but Bo Naylor's got a good hit tool. You just want something kind of blob, but it's consistent and will play a lot. Jose Trevino's at 390. The dude plays a lot for the Yankees and he's quasi-productive. And then if you want a super punt, I'd say Luis Compisano from the Padres at 484. I think he's eventually going to get some run there. Cause the more I looked at Austin Nola's numbers, you want to talk about boring Toby? Like hmm. Luis Arias is more exciting than Austin Nola. Like it's, it's dropped off a cliff. So a copy saw could get some run there too. Um, Side retired pod asks what to do with Francisco Alvarez. Here you go, Toby. What do you got? Uh-huh.
0: Well, he doesn't qualify an NFBC as a yep, catcher. You only so, he, he
1: will uh, eventually, I believe.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think Alvarez is super interesting. Super, interesting. Um, super interesting. The Mets don't really have good catchers you know, at all. So I don't think there's a lot of competition. There are win now. Um, they're going, so I think Alvarez could be, yeah, I think Alvarez could be super, um, super interesting. Um, just like looking at his steamer, again, steamer is a little bit more aggressive. And and I say that, and what I mean by that is just that like, this is one where I want to take other projection systems and, and kind of combine them to, to see what the, the wisdom of the crowds of projections will uh, think, you know, these guys with, with, with small uh, MLB samples will do, but steamer, you know, 305 plate appearances, 14 home runs, 38 runs, 39 RBI. Um, across the board, he is uh, pretty green, um, you know, in his home run per plate appearance, his runs per plate appearance, his RBI per plate appearance, but, uh, batting average isn't isn't that terrific, but um the pedigree is obviously there. I know that some places have him as the number one prospect in baseball, so I think he's super interesting it'll it will be interesting to see what happens you know since he doesn't have catcher eligibility now, what does that do for what people are paying in drafts you know for him um you know does that ease up a little bit on on you know, it's just that like, not recency bias, but like knowing that you're going to have to carry him on your util or your bench for however long, you know, before he qualifies at the position that you actually want to pay with him. It doesn't seem like that would have that much of an impact when it's just ten to games, but it really does, I think have an impact on folks. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I would, I would say. His ADP, is he, where, his ADP is, he, is at 251,
1: 251. right now. So you, have to, you, have to, okay. you have to pay for him. You're not just like getting the discount. Yeah. He's good. He's good. So I guess in a DC, knock on wood, it might be better. If he's a util for like a month, you can kind of finagle that. In a redraft, it's a little challenging, like you said.
0: Yeah.
1: For sure. Well, Toby, it's going to wrap us up, my friend. We're back. Oh, wow. We're back. Look at that. Any final thoughts as we wrap up our 2023 catcher preview the first we'll obviously recap it later as we get closer to draft season or to the real season but our catcher review preview
0: no it's been fun it's been nice to be back here with you Bubba and and as I kind of warm up and uh get more into uh into my analysis heading into the season hopefully I'll be able to share a little bit more wisdom and
1: you had plenty of wisdom friend. not don't downplay,
0: don't downplay yourself there plenty of wisdom
1: but It was fun. It was fun. And we'll be back next week doing first base, which is a not as fun as it used to be. I'll be honest, just in my rankings on first base, not as fun as it used to be. So that'll be a, a fun one to discuss for sure. It drops off quickly, but um we'll do that. We'll do more. Keep the listener questions coming. Just,
0: just don't trap Vlad Jr. That's the only thing that you can really be sure well, of. He's nope. not my number one. He's not my number in, one ranked catcher. Let's put it that way. And uh, ensure your success.
1: There you go. That means let's see if Toby can go two for two on this one. We'll, we'll see how fun this is. It could be another fun year. He might I, not, he I might miss not the tour of shame.
0: Honestly, no, you like, don't. no, you don't. I do. I really do. I don't miss like steering people wrong, but I really did enjoy this tour, that tour of shame.
1: Well, we'll see how it plays out next week. We'll get Toby's hot takes on Vladito for 2023 and much, <laughs> much more. Make sure you follow Toby on Twitter at Batflip crazy I'm at BD Entric. We're back, folks. We'll be back to you guys next week
0: also with another episode of Bubbing the Batflip. Catch you guys later. That's going to wrap us up for episode 234 of the Batflip Crazy podcast and edition number 138 above in the Batflip, the good old catcher preview. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, As always, thank you so much uh, for listening. Always appreciate it um, as we embark on a new uh, season, 2023. Uh, Best of luck with all of your off-season resting and holidays and research. Take care and be kind to one another.